0: Welcome to the King's Church Podcast. We are an ACC church based on the Gold Coast in Queensland, Australia. We'd love for you to join us on any given Sunday. In the meantime, we hope this message blesses you. Um, I want to continue our series today on what I've been uh, doing so far this term. And so with that in mind, I want to read to you, and uh, we'll be on the screen as well, Psalm 18, verse 35. Psalm 18, verse 35. And it says this. You protect me with your saving shield. You support me with your right hand. You have stooped to make me great. I'll read that again. You protect me with your saving shield. You support me with your right hand. You have stooped to make me great. Another translation says, you give me a shield of victory. Your right hand sustains me. You stoop down to make me great. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for your word. I ask and pray, Lord God, that you would help us, Lord God, to apply that which you've shown us in your word to take our lives to a new level. I thank you and I praise you for that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. If you've been coming to the service for a couple of months, you would know that we've been doing a series right across our church called SOAR, S-O-A-R, not S-O-R-E. And basically, the theme for our church this year is called on the fly. Bible tells us in Isaiah 40 verse 31 that those that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They'll mount up on wings of eagles. So what that means is this. It's God's desire that we rise up and mount up to another level. Notice this. He stoops down to make me great. It was written by King David. David is actually saying that the Lord stooped down in order to make Him great. If you want to encapsulate salvation, it's a little bit like that. He stoops down into our mess. He stoops down into our sin and shame. But He doesn't stoop down and then cause us to stay down. He actually stoops down and then He elevates us. He makes us great. He transforms us. When you become a Christian, I say it's the best of both worlds because not only do you get a ticket to heaven after you die, which is absolutely awesome, but even more than that, God has a plan and purpose for your life right here, right now. When you put your hand in the hand of the Lord, He can transform your life and cause your life to be absolutely amazing. Bible says he takes the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. Give your life to Christ and you'll be amazed at what he does. Not only does he forgive you of your sin, not only does he fill your heart with joy, not only does he save your soul, but he's got a plan and purpose and he can do incredible things in and through your life. He stoops down to make me great. And so we've been doing a series in our church called Saw. And so basically what that means is there's a number of principles in God's Word that if we apply them to our lives, He promises will actually take our life to a whole new level. Now the interesting thing about it is that the principles in God's Word is not the same as the world. The world would say, if you want to get ahead, you've got to compromise. If you want to get ahead, you've got to do this and that. But that's not actually what the scripture tells us. We, serve a, we are part of what's an upside-down kingdom. What the world says is good is not necessarily what the Word of God says is good. Now, and sometimes we could be tempted to compromise our convictions and values. You've heard me talk to you before about the television show Survivor. I used to watch Survivor and think to myself, can you actually win this show without lying or cheating? And I came to the conclusion, I don't think you can. You can't win it honestly. But I thank God that the Christian life is not a game of Survivor. You can do things God's way, and He can do great things in and through your life. But as I said, it's different from the world. So we've talked about a number of principles, myself, Pastor Noah, and others, about some principles in God's Word where He says, if you do this, He'll do great things for your life. One of the things we talked about was honour, the concept of honour. Bible says, if you honour others... God himself will actually honour you. Talked about the concept of humility. The Bible says if you humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, he will exalt you in due season. Actually talked about generosity. The Bible says the world of the generous gets larger and larger, but the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Today, I want to talk to you about another principle in God's Word that it says if we apply this to our life, it will cause great effect. And it's actually found in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7. Proverbs 4, verse 7, it says this. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And in all your getting, get understanding. Exalt her and she will promote you. She will bring you honour when you embrace her. She will place on your head an ornament of grace. A crown of glory she will deliver to you. Who's the she it's talking about? Wisdom. Wisdom. So it's saying right there that wisdom will promote you, bring you honour, place on your head an ornament of grace and a crown of glory. It's all available to us through wisdom. That's why it says there that wisdom is the principal thing. Wisdom is one of the great keys to living an advancing life. Wisdom is one of the great keys to living a life that will cause you to soar, beyond your circumstances. Wisdom is the principal thing. Now, notice this. It actually says, get wisdom. So you might be sitting there saying, well, you know, not naturally a very intelligent person, didn't do very well at school. Some people might say, I'm a little bit slow. Maybe this doesn't apply to me. No, no, no. It says we can get wisdom. If you don't have it, we can actually get it. God would not offer it to us if it was not available. It's not like he's teasing us. We can actually get wisdom. And so I want to talk to you today briefly about four keys to getting wisdom. Four keys from the scripture about getting wisdom so we can become more wise and access the promises associated with wisdom. So I want to talk to you today about four keys to getting wise. Um, If you're taking notes, uh, you can write down the left-hand side of your screen or your page, Uh, the word wise, Uh, because every one of those points, every one of the points starts with one of those letters. So four keys to growing and getting wisdom. The first one is this, it's found in Proverbs 11.30. It says, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he who wins souls is wise. He who wins souls is wise. It's really interesting, isn't it? What has that got to do with wisdom? Well, the first key, it obviously starts with W, is win souls, win souls. How is winning souls, what has it got to do with wisdom? What has it got to do with any of that? Well, winning souls, if you have an attitude of winning souls, what that means is that it helps us with our priorities. It helps us to stay on mission. One of the reasons why we are still here on earth is because there's something we, can't, we can do here that we can't do in heaven. You know, you can actually pray in heaven, because prayer is just talking to God. So you can spend all your day in prayer here, but you know what? You're going to do that in heaven as well. Praise, we can actually do there as well. You know, the Bible says that God is completely surrounded by the throne. People praising Him 24-7, singing, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Some people say, I want longer worship. I promise you, when you get to heaven, you're going to have the longest worship you've ever had in your life. you will be worshipping non-stop. You're going to be worshipping 24-7. We can do that here, but we can also do that there. You know you can be generous in heaven as well? We can be generous here, but we can be generous in heaven. The Bible says that God gives us a crown of glory. What are we going to do with that crown of glory? We're going to lay it at his feet. The Bible actually indicates we're going to have more than one crown of glory. Some of, us, some of you guys are going to have crowns stacked up, and you're just going to keep throwing them before the throne room of grace. Amen. It's going to be awesome. You can be generous here and you can be generous there. But you know what you can do here that you can't do there? You can be healed here and healed there. But you know what you can't do there? You can't win anyone to Christ there. We can only do that here. And so what that means is this. If we lose sight in our Christian life of our mission here on earth, which is to win souls for Christ, our lives, Christian lives get weird. We start making things more important than what they really are. We start focusing on things that are secondary issues, not primary issues. The body of Christ divides over secondary issues. Things that are kind of important, but not the most important. But if you have an attitude of winning souls, it will help us to understand that the main reason why we are still here on earth is that it's not the reason we exist, we exist to glorify God. But we can exist in eternity, friends. But the main reason why we're still here on the earth is to see other people. We win them into the kingdom of God. That's why Jesus' final command to the disciples was to go into all the world and have glory times. He didn't say that. Go into all the world and spend the entire time, 24-7, praying and fasting and reading your Bible. It's important to do all those things. But he doesn't say that. He says, go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them everything that I have taught you. The whole reason why we're here, our mission is to win souls. We just, before this service at the 8.30, we did our annual school staff dedication where we dedicate the staff of our, of our school and that sort of thing. And, and, and our school is it's something to be incredibly proud of. It is so successful. We have over 4,300 students. um, We're the largest Christian school in Australia, largest private school in Queensland. And we only go up to year 10 at Pimpermire right now and only up to year four at Logan. And so our our school is absolutely a juggernaut. It's something to be incredibly, which I'm personally incredibly proud of, and it's something as a church we really need to embrace and be proud of. And one of the things is because it's so successful, people come and they want to know what's the key. What's the secret, you know, why is the school so successful and that sort of thing? And they get a little bit disappointed when they find out what it is. It's not something that they want to hear. One of the major reasons why the school is so successful is because in all the education, in all the worldview, in all the indoctrination, in all the safe environment, in all the provision and in all the excellence, there's one thing at its core and that is to win souls. Sometimes we'll have people come to us and say, oh, you know, I heard there were some kids out there, they were swearing, they come from non-Christian families and, you know, what they were saying is, I want a Christian academy, you know, where it's only Christian kids. That's nice, but God has not called us to do that. He's called us to win souls. So the people that don't know him can come and actually encounter the love and the presence of God. We just did a thank you earlier today for Guy Ulmerod. Many of you would know Guy. Guy has been in our church basically since day dot, got saved in our church. And he has been the chaplain in our school for over 25 years. And he's actually finishing up next week. So it's somewhat the end of an era. Guy kind of broke the mold for what a chaplain is supposed to do, because he is an evangelist. And he said, well, my role actually is just at the school to see as many of the unsaved kids get saved. And he stayed on mission. And because of that, our school is successful. Because of that, we're blessed and we're prosperous, because we haven't gone off and focused on Secondary issues, worrying about who's in government, worrying about policy, worrying about theological goat trails, worrying about arguing about the tiniest little theological thing, we've stayed focused on mission. And because of that, we've been incredibly blessed. As a church, we're going to stay on mission. He who wins souls is wise. It doesn't say he who wins arguments is wise doesn't say he who is right. Reinhard Bonnke said this. He said, I'd rather win souls than arguments. I'd rather win someone into the kingdom than try and prove myself right. And in the same way, he who wins souls. That's why we're such a friendly church. Because we don't mind if people come with a little bit of mess. Where are you going to get your soul saved? You're going to get your soul saved here. That's why we like that sort of stuff. We want to see people come in and come and encounter God. And as we stay focused on that mission, we will find that we're we going, we going to have a, a ministry that is incredibly wise. Same in our own life as well. He who wins souls is wise. The second thing is this. It says in Proverbs, 7, Proverbs 9, 7 and 9. He who corrects a scoffer gets shame for himself. And he who rebukes a wicked man only harms himself. Do not correct the scoffer lest he hate you. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will be wiser still. Teach a just man and he will increase in learning. The second key to growing in wisdom is increased learning. Increased learning. Now notice this. Increasing learning is an attitude. It's outlining there that if you do this to a scoffer and you do this to a wise man, you get a different result. If you rebuke a scoffer, it doesn't do anything. You rebuke a wise man, he gets wiser. You instruct a scoffer, nothing happens. But you instruct a wise man, he gets wiser. So learning is not about the course you go to. Learning is about the attitude we have. And it's an attitude of teachability. Notice this, it doesn't say a wise man is never rebuked. So the awesome thing is this, you don't have to be perfect to be wise. You don't have to be someone who is mistake-free to be wise, but rather it's our attitude and response that we should always have a teachable attitude. I was hearing about one man and he said his attitude is this, that every man is my master. That every person I encounter, they know something better about something than what I do. It's so important. One of the things that's helped me in my personal growth is um, receiving mentoring from others and and in areas where I'm weak, getting mentoring from people who are strong in that area. And, and to be honest, there's been plenty of times because I like talking. I don't know if you noticed that. And and, um, and and the thing is that I've I've had times where I've sat down with some th- someone and I'm there to hear from them, and I find myself rabbiting on about me. And I I have to tell myself, Ben, just quiet. Like you're here to learn. You're not here to tell them how awesome you are. You, the whole reason you're here is because you're not awesome, and and that sort of thing. And and I've had to catch myself and flip my attitude and say, I'm here to learn something, to digest what's taken on board. You heard me talk to you the other week about humility and about the Fonz and happy days. Everyone changed in happy days except the Fonz. Fonz didn't change at all, still had the same leather jacket, still had the same hairstyle, not quite the same waistline, but everyone else grew up and he didn't. I think it was because he could never change and could never admit he was wrong. Now, I know that that's a long theological bow to draw, but the reality is this. When we have a teachable attitude, when the moment you think you know everything is the moment that foolishness is awaiting us. Now, maybe there's some things, maybe there's something you need to do and you need to grow, maybe go do a course. That's why the Bible says, use all that you have to get wisdom. You can use money to actually go and get wisdom. There's a book called The Millionaire Mindset, and it talks about the difference between people with a millionaire mindset and people with a more working-class mindset. And, uh, and it's not about judging, you know, people or anything like that, but millionaire mindset is this, they're willing to pay money for knowledge they don't have. Significant portion of their budget is spent on accessing knowledge that they don't have. But the difference with that with a working mindset is I go and work and I get it, and sometimes, look, no one tells me what to do, I'm going through this and that sort of thing. But actually, the higher you rise, the more teachable we actually have to become. Spend money on our personal growth. Spend money. You see, even some people, and I'm not not saying I'm a big fan of big motivational courses or anything like that. I'm certainly not saying that. But you notice people that are going to those things are already people who are rising in their life. Because they realize, I need to grow and have that teachable attitude. And in the same way, that's how we will actually grow. God has got more learning and more growing for every single one of us for the rest of our life. And so increasing in learning is one of the great keys. Proverbs 26 verse 12 says this, do you see a man wise in his own eyes? Someone who thinks they know everything, don't point to anyone. There is more hope for a fool than for him. And so we need to have a teachable attitude and be willing to increase in learning. The third thing is this, it says in James 1.5, if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, He gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to him. The third key to growing in wisdom is to seek God. I love this verse. This is one of the great benefits, so many benefits to having a life with Christ. But one of the great benefits is that we have access to him. Pastor Noah said before that we have access to the throne room of grace. We can access God and his presence and also his wisdom. We serve a God who's a communicating God. Our relationship with God, we serve a God who speaks. And you can spend time with him and spend time in his word and he can actually speak to us. And notice this, it actually says here, if you lack wisdom, it doesn't say too bad. It says if we lack wisdom, then we should ask God for wisdom. And he will give it to us freely and liberally. We have access to him. So seeking God is a way that we can actually increase in wisdom. The greatest example of this in scripture is actually King Solomon. The Bible tells us that one night the Lord came to him and said, ask me whatever you want and I'll give it to you. And so right at that moment, God came to him with a blank check and he could have asked for anything. He could have asked for riches, he could have asked for honor, he could have asked for victory over his enemies. But he didn't ask for any of those things. He said, Lord, I need wisdom and I need knowledge to help me lead your people. And God said, well, because you've asked the right, because you've asked for the right thing, I'll give you the riches and the honour as well. And the Bible says that Solomon became the wisest man that ever lived. Now, who knows, Solomon did make some mistakes as well. But the Bible says that Solomon became the wisest man that ever lived. How did he get that wisdom? He got that wisdom because he asked God for it. And God actually gave it to him. Maybe you're in a situation that you don't know what to do. And everyone else around you doesn't know what to do. What should you do? seek God and he can give you the wisdom that you need. Maybe you need to take time to just stop and think and spend a bit of time seeking God just to pause. Take that time because God will give you the wisdom you need. Especially so if you've got two options and you don't like either one of them. Have you ever had a situation like that? Where you've had a couple of options and you know neither one of them is right? What do you do? Seek God because you might be amazed a third option might actually manifest. One of the things I do when I teach on ethics is that I actually talk about that and say when, because sometimes, because I firmly believe that we can live our Christian life free of compromise. But it means that sometimes we need great wisdom to know how to navigate that. And it's in those moments when you don't like the two options, instead of grasping at one, you wait. Lord, What do you want me to do? And you'll be amazed at the wisdom that becomes apparent in that time. My favourite example of this is when Jesus was actually confronted by some people and they caught a woman in the act of adultery. And some teachers of the law brought her, threw her in front of Jesus in the middle of a class that he was teaching with people all there watching. They were trying to trap him. They wanted to catch him out. They wanted to undermine his ministry. They threw this woman in front of him and said... The scripture tells us that we're supposed to stone her. What do you say? Now that's an ethical dilemma because he can't violate the word but he also understood God's heart. It looked like the two options were this. Violate the word and have her killed or disobey and let her live. So what did he do? Well, the Bible says he started drawing on the ground took his finger and started writing in the dirt. I've heard lots of people preach on that because they reckon they know what he wrote. Remember one person said, yeah, he wrote the Ten Commandments. And as he wrote them, he pointed to people and said, I oh, know you did that, and then they left. But it doesn't tell us that he did that. Now, some people say that he wrote the Pentateuch. That would be a long time to write down all of that. Heard of one old preacher who said that Jesus wrote the words to amazing grace which I think happened after this incident. Do you know what I'm saying? The reality is the Bible doesn't tell us what he wrote. Doesn't say. If you read him too far, you're gonna go around a theological goat trail. It doesn't tell us what he wrote, it just told us that he wrote. What was he doing? I reckon he was doodling. Father help. <laughs> I don't know what to do. Tell me, paused, wisdom. I don't like that option, that option. You're not going to force me into a decision. You'll learn that about me, by the way, church. No one forces me into a decision. Okay, show me what to do, Lord. I know, he who is without sin, cast the first stone. Third option. Some of you need a third option right now. I'm gonna be too harsh, I'm gonna be too liberal. None of it seems right. What am I gonna do? I do not know, so I'm gonna wait. Help, ask for wisdom, and it materializes, third option. Someone needed to hear that today. I didn't say that in the first service because someone here needed to hear it. Seek God for wisdom and he'll give you the wisdom that you need. Amen? And the fourth, that was better preaching than the response. The fourth one was this. Too late. fourth one was this. Embrace Christ. Sorry, I'm having fun today. Embrace Christ. Proverbs 9.10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The foundation of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. So wisdom sprouts from the foundation of the fear of the Lord. The Bible tells us in Psalms, the fool says in his heart, there is no God. Without a foundation of Christ and the word of God, foolishness will reign. Silly decisions get manifested because it's not founded upon Christ. So the fourth key is actually embrace Christ. Embrace Christ. The fool says in his heart, there is no God. When you embrace Christ, you know that all of a sudden my choices start changing. And my choices start getting better. Why? Because it's founded on that foundation. Um, I've got two degrees. Uh, my first degree I never talk about. Uh, it was a Bachelor of Arts uh, majoring in politics and philosophy. Uh, so it basically means you can lie and argue. And, um, so, and I did that 30-something years ago. And um, and I did philosophy, honestly, mate, I hated it. I hated philosophy, could not stand it. I would sit there saying, this is driving me around the twist. They'd go on the dumbest arguments about the dumbest things. I remember they spent two hours talking about if you took a piece of string, segmented it into infinite amount of pieces, and then put it back together, how long it would be? Infinite. But that's just so stupid, because that can't happen, Right? Or another one where the lecturer said, If you walk from here to the wall and went half the distance each time, you'll never reach the wall. Oh, as if, you, oh, anyway, don't go, go back. They go on all these social medias like that. I just want to listen to what's some of it because they just talk about stuff that is just rubbish and makes no sense without a foundation of Christ and the Word of God. When you remove all absolutes, you're an absolute nut job. There's a multiplicity of absolutes based upon the foundation of God's word. You remove God's word, you go silly. Every oh, getting, every society that removed God's word and became humanistic did not end up the way they said it would, because it doesn't work. Life doesn't work without a foundation. ...of the Word of God. Yeah! Online, yeah! Might have to edit some of this later. Foolish, stupid, foolish arguments... ...come when we remove the Word of God... ...or when we lose mission. When we lose sight of mission... We get in dumb arguments on social media, saying stupid things, showing videos of my cousins, relatives, son in law, sisters, spy in that company, put this out. And then good Christian people, wah, 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 foolish, win souls. And so, thank you. And society goes off. That's why let me tell you right now, the number one thing we need to guard and protect here at Kings is that we can preach the gospel to our kids. Don't really care about the length of their head, to be honest. Don't really care what they put on their head, nothing like that. Who cares? We preach the gospel. Who you win souls? Well. Foundation of the word. Who we're allowed to employ. Very, very important. The ability to discern and to choose. Because the beginning of wisdom is on the foundation of embracing Christ and staying on mission of winning souls. People ask us all the time, what is the key to the success of King's Christian College? Let me tell you. It's because as a board, we're holding very tight to make sure that we stay on mission and stay focused on the Word of God, amen? And keep that going in that direction. And as we have done that, seek first the kingdom of God and all these other things will be added to you. Put him first, the foundation, and there is success. Religion says you follow God's ways, it's failure and poverty. That is not the word of God. The word of God says you do things his way, you're going to win. And wisdom comes from embracing Christ. Maybe you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Can I encourage you? You've already made one very good quality decision today. You've come to the house of God. Another firm quality decision you can make is to embrace Christ, give your life to Christ. Life has more meaning. It makes sense. This whole thing that you built, when you put it on the foundation of Jesus Christ, it's going to make sense, amen? Embracing Christ. That's why the Bible says that those who wait on the Lord shall mount up. It doesn't say those who wait on the election result. It doesn't say those who wait on when mandates are lifted. It doesn't say those who wait on policy changing. It doesn't even say those that wait for Trump to come back. I know I can be cheeky with you guys. <laughs> Those who wait on the Lord. Take the Lord out, you're not renewing your strength. Take the Lord out, you are not mounting up onto anything. But you wait on the Lord and you'll renew your strength. And you'll mount up, you'll start soaring. And we're going to be on the fly. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. Stay tuned for new messages weekly. You can keep updated on what's happening in the life of King's Church by following us on social media at King's Church GC. Be blessed.